Modern Casserole is a podcast of three hungry women. We met working at a food magazine, and each week we talk about food, culture, what we cooked, and what we ate in San Diego and beyond. I'm Olivia, and this is Modern Casserole. Well, welcome back, ladies. It's another Thursday in San Diego. And um, I actually already, you know, had something in mind I wanted to talk to you girls about. I have been making rice, you know, every so often at home um, to go with different stir fries and things that I've got, um, you know, in the fridge that I want to use up. And rice for me is is kind of like an unpredictable thing. Like sometimes I make it and it's perfect. And I'm like, shy, this is the best rice I've ever made. I'm mm-hmm. so proud. Other times I'll be like, shy, don't get your hopes up about this rice. Like it is not cooperating with me today. So um, I always think of you guys, you guys are always making beautiful rice dishes. And I thought like you guys were the perfect people to ask a little bit more about like your techniques and, and your experiences. So maybe I can kind of get those tips and tricks to improve my rice game, if you will. So maybe Felicia, if you do have like anything you could suggest, I know, cause I mean, I make a lot of Middle Eastern food and obviously you're making a lot of Persian and Middle Eastern food. And so maybe you have things that are specific to that cuisine related to rice. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I growing up, um, I never ate rice unless I was at a Chinese restaurant and I would eat just like plain white jasmine rice and you know with the sauces on it so it was the biggest shock when i was in oman and rice is such a staple there that you if you don't have rice for lunch or at least one time during the day people say they haven't eaten because everything else is a snack so i got very familiar with rice both eating it and then cooking it there and then i you know went and married a persian man and rice is such a huge part of of Persian cooking. So now I've gone from never eating or cooking rice to making a big rice dish every Sunday. And so oh, wow. that that's been kind of fun um, learning the different techniques. In Oman, there's in, in the the Gulf, uh, the Arabian Gulf. There's two different methods. One is a little bit more rustic, which is what kind of the more Bedouin people do. And that is the absorption method. Everybody uses basmati rice, um, but some people like to cook their chicken and then create a broth with it with tons of like whole spices and then put in the rice and let the rice absorb all that great flavorful oh, wow. juice. Mm, that sounds great. Then the Persian way of doing it um, is to, it's kind of a two-part cooking method and there's no shortcut but I have found it works every single time. And um, it also includes, you know, making the crispy bottom that they call tadi. Oh my gosh, Um, I'm already hungry. So you take your basmati and you bring um, water to a boil, doesn't matter how much, put in your rice. I usually do, well, if it's just Methi and I, we're very greedy, so I'll still do a cup. But um, if I'm making it, I'll usually make enough for him to eat all week. So I'll do like two, two and a half cups. But it doesn't matter the amount because you just throw it in this boiling water, cook it for six minutes, then drain it, shock it with cold water. 
So but, let me let me pause there. So you're saying it's almost like you boil it like you would like a pasta where you're, the water's par- already boiling. Mm-hmm. Is it salted or is it just plain water? No, but you okay. do soak the rice in salted water first. A fir- okay, so first soak it in the first salted water. First soak it for how long? In salted water, at least twenty minutes. Okay, so you can let it hang for like two hours. Mm-hmm. Does it's pretty forgiving. And, and you could probably you, lukewarm water or room temperature water. Absolutely doesn't matter. Okay. Okay. Because you're going to rinse it. You're going to clean it. And that mm-hmm. rinses all the starch off. Okay. Which will keep it from getting gummy. Oh. Um, so once Great. it's rinsed, you rinse it off and you dump it in your boiling water. You okay. kind of par cook it. You want it most of the way cooked. So that, that can be anywhere from like six to eight minutes, depending on how long you soaked it. Okay. You drain it, shock it with the cold water. And then you, if you want crispy bottom rice, which who doesn't want some oh my crispy gosh. fried rice bit, yeah. you, uh, <laughs> you put oil in the bottom of your pot, nonstick works really great. And you take maybe a cup or so of the, the par cooked rice and press it into the bottom of the pan. Then you make a pyramid with the rest of the rice on top. You can stab it with a chopstick a couple times for air holes. Mm-hmm. And then you wrap the top of the lid of your pot in a towel and put that over top. You cook it over high heat or medium high heat for maybe 10 minutes and then crank it down to low and let it hang for 30 to 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Just for clarity. So when you do, so when you put the, um, the pot on the stove with the oil, is it heating yet at that point? Or do you, you layer everything in there like you were describing and then turn on the heat? I layer it off the stove and then I mm-hmm. put it onto okay. a hot burner. I, I mean, okay. a lot of ladies will do it right into the hot oil. Mm-hmm. I burn myself way too much I get under you. the yeah. best of circumstances. So I don't do that. And if you wanted to skip the crispy rice part, you would just, you would still make your pyramid and pop it in there and let it that that long low cooking it evaporates the rest of the excess moisture so you end up with these really beautiful long grains that don't stick together you can see each individual grain and and that's kind of the goal um of of good good rice so the the wrap that you've put on the lid of the pot that is absorbing the moisture instead of it getting circulated back down to the to the rice as it's heated right yeah wow so when you put the you 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 pack the rice down at the bottom of the pot and then you build your little pyramid do you add any excess water at this point or just no oh that's interesting believe it or not it's already there you wouldn't think it would work you'd think Mm -hmm. it would end up so dry and i mean me me, of course, being being me, I, I didn't believe it. So I ruined so many rice dishes trying to find shortcuts, trying to do mm. it my way. Because I was like, this doesn't make sense. Finally, I followed just like to the letter um, these suggestions. And it, it has worked like a charm every time. How, you... how big of a pot are you using? Sorry, Maria. Oh, no. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was man. just wondering how big like the, the you know, the base of it is. Because I'm just still... Trying oh, to get my head well, out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I use just, I, I'm so bad at quartz and whatever, but like a mm-hmm. norm, a normal size pot. It's not not like huge, not like small. No, it's just, just kind, kind of, of an yeah. average size pot that you would cook pasta in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the nonstick really helps. I did recently buy one that was wider in diameter just because I love the crispy parts so much. I was like, let me get more surface area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
And then there's all kinds of other fun things you can do. You can use potatoes, um, press those in the bottom with the rice or even Ooh. really thin lavash bread. That I keep burning. I'm mm. still trying to nail the the bread toddy, but oh. so I'll let you know if I ever do you add any different herbs or aromatics or spices or because I know saffron is generally isn't it isn't that where uh, the... you can I mean I do I do a ton of different rice dishes um, subsi polo is just a bunch of fresh herbs that are mixed mm. in with it. Um, mm. Zoresh polo is uh, these nice tangy barberries mm. that you layer in at the end. And that one often I will drizzle on some uh, saffron water. Mm. Um, yeah, some... I do like lentils with dates and fried onions. Um, so yeah, we have a rotation. And, and this week I am actually debating between lubia polo, which is green beans and ground beef and turmeric um oh yeah i remember when you there. described that a few episodes back yeah i never ended yeah. up making it so mm. i might make that this sunday or we might do a nostalgic uh arabian biryani um because mm. in in the gulf there's a ton of of influence from south asia but they definitely have their own twist on biryani and it involves boiling and then frying chicken and adding all those whole spices in and the absorption method so now that absorption method I had somebody many many years ago make this incredible Persian dish where it was lamb and rice and I want to think there were like must have been dates or currants something you know some sort of dry sweet fruit in there but um, she told me it took 24 hours to make so I'm guessing she did something along the lines of that first first method you were talking about where she cooked the meat and then let the rice just absorb up all the juices for a day they don't i mean a lot of times in the persian cooking they will cook the meat separately and then layer it between the rice mm. and then bake it or um, put it on the stove uh the the meat yeah lamb oh my gosh they they do this like just falling off the bone tender mm -hmm. roast lamb and cooking it that long really takes away the gaminess um, it was I everything mean, yeah it gets really like silky delicious yeah yeah it actually reminds okay. me hearing this method actually reminds me why i cook with couscous more often because <laughs> it's such for me it's that foolproof thing where it's like I, I do the absorption method i'll like cook you know braised chicken or some sort of um stew or something like that and i'll use the the liquid that's left over to to cook the couscous so it absorbs all that great flavor right into uh right into it so it reminds me of that same thing but for me the couscous is like foolproof whereas the rice is kind of a crapshoot. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's hilarious mm -hmm. because like I can't cook couscous. Uh -huh. I always ruin it. It's either gummy mm. or it's undercooked. And I love um, uh, the maftul, you know, the the round Palestinian or there's mm -hmm. also the Israeli. Uh, right, right, the small pasta couscous. ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I guess you're supposed to toast first. Yeah, yeah, but... you kind of, yeah, you toast it like, you, I always think of it kind of like a pilaf where you have like those different layers um, but you do, you like first use a little oil and you, and you toast it up and well, it just brings out like a flavor. what's the trick to, to foolproof, 
bulletproof couscous. Well, are you talking the big or the small fluffy? I'm talking the small ones, but I've all I the the maftoul style, the like larger kind of pearl, or sometimes it's referred to as Israeli. It just depends on you know where it's coming from. But um, that one I'm not as successful in because I also want to like overdo it. Um, Shai's mom does a really great version of it, so that's where I usually enjoy it. Um, but I what I'm talking about couscous, I'm talking about the small Moroccan you know, small one. And of course I'm, I'm cheating. I'm using the quick cook, you know, um, couscous at home here, but, um, it's great. And what I've learned is that like the less you do to it, the better as far as, Mm. you know, actually cooking it. So it's most of it's usually like, you know, put it, you know, pour over some boiling water, let it sit for five minutes. Like don't touch it. Don't even stir it. And then you fluff it with a fork. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said, the other version I've done is where like I'll I'll braise like a tray of, of chicken and, and have all sorts of broth and stuff. And mm. then I take out the chicken and pour in the couscous, let it sit for that five minutes. And then all those great, you know, flavors and everything are all melded together. Oh, so, yum. yeah, I, like I want to make that with, with Barbara. So I always find mm-hmm. couscous to be a little bit underwhelming. And I think it's probably because the, you know, the directions here is just it's to usually just add water. water. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. usually, even if I'm going to do that kind of more simple version, if I'm not doing like a braised dish or something, I'll use chicken broth and then I'll add different like aromatics. I'll add like a fresh like clove of garlic or bay leaf or depending on, you know, kind of the profile I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I feel like any recipe I read where it just says add water to it, I always <laughs> will look get like something. That. I'll I'll put I'll even put a splash of wine in. I'll put a splash of vinegar. You know something just to give mm-hmm. it some dimension. Because to me, it's like the water. You know, is just underwhelming. And like for couscous, it's not a strong flavor. You know, so I feel like it's it's a great way to kind of add extra um, extra notes in there. Yeah, nice. such a great nice. idea. Mm-hmm. Well, we cooked a um, kind of a, I don't want to call it weird or strange, but um, I had a rice experience last night with... Um, <laughs> like a rice experience. <laughs> rice experience <laughs> with, a, with a meal prep kit. And it was interesting because I think... Um, I think I did it wrong. You know how bad I am at following directions. <laughs> uh, and I probably put too much oil in the pan initially, but you were supposed to warm oil and then toast sesame seeds in it. And um, they said it was, they, were, they called it sesame rice. But um, the sesame seeds didn't end up toasting quite like they were supposed to. And when I added the rice, it was like the rice almost got fried. Um, there was no mention of like soaking it beforehand. Mm. So I wonder if, you know, one of those steps might have helped it a little bit, but it was also about the portion of rice that they were suggesting to cook because it was a two serving meal kit. And it must've been about a half, a half a cup. Um, or maybe Mm. even it was like really, really small, minimal amount, um, of rice to cook. And I, I find that if you're not cooking enough rice in a pot, especially if you're doing a stovetop method, um, or if you're cooking too much, it, it ends up kind of ruining the rice. <laughs> and so the optimal, the optimal amount of rice for me to cook is about a one and a half cups at a time, dry rice. And then if you have leftovers, it's, uh, it's good too. All the better. Oh yeah. 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 Well, what's your method for cooking rice? What's your go-to? I mean, I, I'm not a, a rice expert by any means. Um, but it was it was there every day in my house (laughs) it was the thing like we had we had a rice cooker so um just on the counter there was hot rice all the time if there wasn't rice you made it um because you could never not have hot rice Mm -hmm. um 
Is there a but, specific type of um, rice that you use as being Korean? Is there one that like when Korean I was families younger, tend yeah, towards? Yeah, it's always short grain, um, mm-hmm. white rice, preferably. As I got older and we started seeing importation of more um, actual Korean ingredients, and we would start adding brown rice, sweet brown rice. You do a mix. Ooh, There's like ooh. these really popular mixes where they add black beans and mung beans and um, all these different Wait, wait, elements. wait. What is sweet brown rice? Talk to oh, me. Oh, yeah. sweet brown rice. It's a, it's a short grain. Um, it's, it's a short grain sweet rice that still just has the brown rice whole on it. So you can buy sweet rice. Um, it's, it's also short grain that's white. Um, and you use it more for like, I think they use it at least for rice flours and things of that nature. Um, or also like sweet rice based desserts. But there are a lot of um, rice drinks that they might use it for, like shike in Korean culture is um, this like sweet rice tea that you drink oh, wow. at the end of every meal. You, it's cold. It's really refreshing. You, you is it like milky? It. Is it like I'm keep thinking like horchata or something? You know, but it's like not, different. It's not milky like horchata because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know horchata is like rice pulverized, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I don't think they break the rice. Like the, you can actually see um, the rice kernel at the bottom of the jar because mm. at the Korean restaurants we would go to, they would always just bring out this massive kimchi jar, like a 10 gallon glass jar, and they would ladle the shike out into these little cups. And you, at, the, at the end of the meal, it's really nice because you've just eaten all this really, you know, flavorful Korean food and it's spicy and it's garlicky. And then you get this sweet thing to I want to go. Palette, but... I want to go out to eat with your family. For I know because <laughs> I feel too. like you've got the inside scoop, and I'm like, I don't know what. I just want the bibimbap, and I want. Yeah. You know what? And I'm the same way. Just um, I think I've shared with you ladies before. It wasn't. It wasn't like my family did a, a, a great job of translating what everything is to me. So it. I, I don't. I don't have a strong sense of familiarity of what that is or where it comes from or what's in it. We just. I just eat it, but um, mm-hmm. basically, well, it's really this- fun. I've been to the Korean market with you, and it is a <laughs> blast because you just you know your way around yeah. those ingredients. I don't know about and, that. I, I end up calling my mom a lot on FaceTime yeah. or something. I'm like, Mom, which which gochu peppers do I get? And you know, of course, I can't read any of the um, the labels, mm. so she'll she'll just will just recognize. Oh, we we like the green and the yellow one. <laughs> oh, the label. I like the, the green label. label. The label yeah. The labels, yeah. <laughs> and you know, now making rice for me is is quite different. I make it probably once a week, and uh, like here, it's generally on the weekend, so that we can kind of have it to portion out for leftovers during the week and I cook it on the stove top and um, I you know use the the first the first line on the finger method for for water <laughs> measurement and just kind of eyeball it all um, what's the uh, rule for that again yeah sorry Felicia I know you were like I need to know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so when you when you add your rice and it's pretty universal um, if you you add your rice to your pot, you rinse it, make sure it's clean and all that. And then when you add water back in, um, you fill the water line up to the first line in your finger. So if you put your index finger down into the rice so that the tip of your finger is level with the top of the rice, you want the water level to come up to the first line of your fingertip, mm. if that makes sense. Gotcha. Put your finger down water level comes up to the line. If you're using a long grain skinny rice, go just a little bit under that line because you want like a little bit less water. And if you're using brown rice, um, it's pretty foolproof to go just a little bit 
above the line because you want a little I'm bit more water. I'm um, so glad to hear this because I've been using that method because I know I've asked you about rice several times, but I realized I never told you I was doing actually a longer grain, like a thinner. Hmm. I'm uh, usually doing, I think, basmati or jasmine. I can't remember which one I'm usually doing. But um, I, I think I've probably been using too much water if, because I, and if, yeah. If you get to the point where you're using too much water, you can always just pop the lid off and let okay. it go for a few more minutes and all that excess will generally evaporate off. Um, so but, you, you, do you... Do you cover it from the beginning or do you no. wait until it comes to a boil yeah you you bring it to a boil over high heat lower it um, and my sister has a different method than me she will continue to boil it off for another five minutes and then drop the heat and cover it and um and only cooks for 10 minutes beyond that but she's a jasmine rice cooker strictly mm. Mm. um you know and the, if I, i'm just kind of like haphazard about it whatever rice i have <laughs> this is this is what i'll try but um I don't know. I, it, it, it's only ever failed me when I was producing or cooking rice for um, a photo shoot. <laughs> of course. Murphy's Law. Right. So just going back to it, just to finish the method. So yeah. finger of water, you turn it up to high. Once it comes to a boil, you cover it and turn it down to low. Cover it, turn it down to low. On short grain rices, I, I cook for about 15 to 20 minutes, kind of depends. And then on the, or sorry. Long grain rices, I cook 15 to 20 minutes. Short grain rices, up to 30. Um, I kind of peek at it towards the end to keep an eye on it. But when you shut it off, this is the key, I think, because um, we like sticky rice, Asians. Uh, <laughs> I think they do. I think we do. I don't know. Um, well, when you turn when you turn off the heat, <laughs> remove the pot from the heat, leave the lid on, and do not touch it for 10 minutes. I set a timer for oh. 10 minutes. Then you come through and you fluff it with a fork. And beautiful <laughs> so that letting it sit thing it's it reminds me of the couscous thing where it's like you don't touch it because that's when yeah. you start to like the starches and things maybe get all mixed up and then get gummy so yes. that's good to know i think i probably very much in the same way because i'm not fully familiar with like all the the technical stuff that happens when you're cooking rice and you're breaking down the starches and the sugars and all of this stuff it's i just want it to come out you know edible. Mm -hmm. Well, I love yeah. that there's so many different ways to enjoy rice because sticky rice or even like the coconut sticky rice is mm. so wonderful in, um, you know, the East Asian cuisines. And then I love the separate grain rice. And I even got really into rice porridges. Um, the congee. Well, con yeah, I had congee in, um, when I was in China, but, um, also in the Middle East and also South Asia, they make something called halim or arcia. And that's where they keep boiling rice with meat in it until mm. both disintegrate. And it becomes oh, wow. almost like a cream of wheat texture. It's just mm. like this savory, super mm. thick porridge. And again, it's one of those things you don't think is gonna work because you keep boiling it and it looks like rice and you keep boiling it and it looks like rice. And then suddenly like this magic happens and it all melts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean, it, it's interesting to see how popular things like, is it congee or congee? Um, where those rice porridges have kind of gotten now here in over the last, I think five years or so. But when I was little, we would just eat 
rice with um, water and kimchi, which is probably the strangest thing ever and seems so plain, but it's so When you satisfying. say rice with water, you mean you were making a porridge just with rice and water, like thinning it out or? Yeah, more or less. Mm-hmm. Like you take, you take your rice, you got your hot rice, you drop it into the bowl and then you top it off with a little bit of water. Oh, so the cooked rice you the add cooked water rice. to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so... Sorry, I didn't clarify. Um, cooked rice, add water, and then add a little kimchi or whatever meat, you know, your your panchan items might be, mm. um, and you eat it with that. But So it's almost soupy. I don't know. So the panchan is all those kind of little condiments that you see, like, at a Korean, like, table. All, yes. Like, like you said, the, kimchi is one of them and other, the what are some other ones? The variety of different um, options. It varies according to, you know, where you are. Um my knowledge is that the, the more panchan you have to offer, there's like a sense of prosperity or, mm. or wellness or richness. You know, you want to share a lot of food in tr- traditional Korean culture. At least that's what I was taught. So like my aunt's house, you know, she's always very proud. She has no less than like 12 panchan on the table oh, wow. or something like that. Is but, she um, making those herself yes. as well? Oh my yes. goodness. And they're highly yeah. labor intensive and mm-hmm. it's like an all day process and you're much like a, a commercial kitchen, you're making something on Monday that you plan to serve on Thursday because a lot of these elements need to ferment or pickle or or do what they do. Um, but 60 years ago, it was essential because they didn't have a lot of refrigeration. They, you know, a hundred years ago, if you can mm-hmm. imagine, um, they would have like crocs buried in the ground and all of these things working. Um, in their yard at all times so they were preserving everything that they were harvesting in the summer and it would feed feed the family for months i love that that's where the variety comes from because they were always just making so many different things Mm -hmm. just take a little of this a little of that Mm -hmm. it reminds Mm -hmm. me in um in the middle east and specifically where i was in, in israel like you have that like they were, they're not the same condiments that you have like spread on the table. They're salads or salatim. And you, you know, each household kind of has their go-to ones that they always have on hand. Absolutely. So like my, at, at my husband's family's house, like she always had like a beet salad in the fridge, a like a uh, crove or uh, sorry, a cabbage salad and different things that like, you know, she would make from scratch. Um, but she'd have all I mean there was never a time I was in the house that that did not exist in the refrigerator and I never even saw her make them so it was like fascinating <laughs> because they just were always there and I you know since moving away from there I, I try to recreate those but they kind of are like signatures of that household I, I find um, and then of course if you're at a restaurant you can have all of the you know the various different salads and things and that's a, a fun signature when you're eating out but um, I love that visual of your aunt's house like filled with like 12 different you know items every week they're all just doesn't it make you feel rich like when your fridge is full and you have like all these tasty things available i mean yeah we're food people so of course yeah we measure our sign of (laughs) success yes absolutely well i mean and and too i think um a culture that's been through war or famine or poverty or or anything like that much much like the korean culture has there's security in food Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely um yeah yeah, 
that there's also a little bit of food hoarding that goes on. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so they were ready. They're, Koreans they are ready for this pandemic, huh? They, they, they absolutely are. Um, I'm sure. I don't know. I, at least my family is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing we stock up on is food. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to yeah. keep you guys posted on my rice adventures now that I've gotten your tips and tricks, I think. What are you going to make this weekend, Maria? Um, we are, well, we, we just got a meal kit, the first one to um, ever try by HelloFresh. And I think tonight we're going to be having the barbecue pork burgers. And tomorrow we're going to have a Middle Eastern steak bowl. Um, it's kind of an interesting experiment. It's the first time in my, well, the past seven years that I'm not cooking for anyone else aside from my family. And I'm burned out (laughs) like it's just really hard to get creative especially when you're just trying to come up with stuff um that's been acquired haphazardly because it was available at the grocery store I think we're kind of you know um, at the liberty of what's what's in stock at this point not that there's been any want or need for anything at all we're just kind of bored and underwhelmed and um I'm trying to teach my son how to cook during this time too, since we have so much time at home and it's it's uh, going well so far. So I'm excited to try those things. Um, interesting to see what cooking techniques there there are to pick up from an experience like this, like the, the rice that I made last night. I would have never done it that way just because I have the plain Asian way ingrained into me. Well, would um, you do it again? <laughs> Would you try it that way again? Or I would. Probably not? I would try it again. I think I would be more motivated to do something along the lines of the tadik, um, as opposed to this method that they used. But yeah, I could almost see you doing like a tadik where you have sesame seeds in that first like, layer, or with like a za'atar. I love that. Yes, it has sesame in it and thyme and. Mm-hmm. That would be, I mean, I don't know. I love that. That'd be good. As long Mm -hmm. as it didn't burn, you wouldn't want the The herbs to burn. Yeah. Do you have a recipe for, or like your own blend that you like to do, Olivia, of za'atar? I um, don't have my own blend. I do have some versions that I've ordered, you know, online and things like that. Um, I actually used to work for a spice store here in San Diego um, that is not by the same name. It used to be called the the, um, Spice Way. Um, but now it's, I think, um, the, I think it's called spice and leaf and they do online, um, orders for spices and their, their herbs and spices are actually coming from Israel. So it's a, you know, Israeli version of Zatar, which, you know, as we, there's like Palestinian versions, there's Lebanese, there's a lot of different, um, versions and each kind of have their signature. Like some have more sumac than others. So I love the ones that have a ton of sumac because it gives it that really bright yes yeah that lemon like hit with it um but yeah i find that like like you said it's not gonna be at the persian market that you're gonna find a a good version of that you're either gonna have to look online or go maybe el cajon where like maybe the yeah just go to a a proper mill i was thinking though that maybe it would be something worth making the blend but maybe not because then you have to buy all the inputs yeah well finding the right like the the herbs even though they're like they talk about being like a wild thyme there is a very specific za'atar herb like a hyssop herb which is a very particular flavor and um i mean i guess unless you're growing that i think it's hard to find that like at a you know 
at the well, store. I'm gonna have to order market. some from that shop. We'll 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 have to put the link. Put the to, link. Yeah, I'll put that in there because I the could be saying notes. the name wrong. Um, but I'll definitely make sure that we update that for the show notes so people can find that. Well, thank you guys. I feel so much more inspired. I was kind of stuck for this weekend, and now Same. I'm excited to cook. I feel like I can try rice again. Like I can use these tips, and I'll let you guys know how it goes. I think we're awesome. gonna make some rice right now because yeah. it sounds pretty good. <laughs> Great. Who knew we could get that excited about rice? But leave it to us, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey. Well, thank you, ladies. Awesome. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Modern Casserole. You can find our show notes at moderncasserole.com with links, photos, and recipes from this week's episode. Subscribe today on our website and everywhere our podcasts are available.